Good morning, good afternoon, and good night. I'm your host, Adam Brown, and, well, today... Today I'd like to take on a more serious subject. Um, and that subject, of course, being the subject of literature. See, the movie that I recently decided to watch, you may or may not know it, is called Lolita. That's L-O-L-I-T-A. Now, this is a very, very grim, grim story. And uh, to say it exactly, to not cut corners, this movie is about pedophilia. And it's also a book, too. Now, the story of Lolita is a very, very interesting love circle. Or at least the movie that I saw adapted it into a love circle. Now, see, the conditions of the story are thus. There is a man, uh, I think his name is Humbert. Now, he moves to some spot in America uh, to take on... Well, he, he's looking for lodging. He's looking basically for a momentary stay at somebody else's house because he's supposed to fly in and work uh, for a job at, I believe, Brown University. Now, the woman that decides to take him in uh, is a woman whose husband has just died, and she's, you know, she's kind of looking for male suitors, uh, basically. That's her deal. So she's looking for male suitors, and she brings in this guy named Humbert. Now... Uh, Humbert isn't into her, but she's super into him uh, in a very, very uncomfortable sense. But she has a daughter. The daughter's name is Dolores Hayes, but her nickname is Lolita, hence the name of the story. Now, as it goes, Humbert, who is about 30, is very, very attracted to Lolita, who is, in the book, 12, and in the movie, about 14? Neither is very good. Now, before I, before I talk about this in depth, I want to say that this is a very, very serious subject, and uh, this story is about grooming, it's about taking, uh, taking advantage of, of a child, basically, and what's noteworthy about the story is that it is always, 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 and this is why it's so controversial, it is always, always presented from the point of view of Humbert, the predator in question. Now, being presented from his point of view, you can imagine that the story is very biased in his favor. Uh, as, as an audience, as a consuming third party, we're supposed to feel these very, very misplaced feelings of sympathy for Humbert because in the book he narrates, and in the movie he's presented as not only the protagonist, but also a very sympathetic figure. This is not supposed uh, to be a good thing. It's a testament to how powerful of a writer the original writer of the novel was. The novel came first. It's a testament to how good he is at writing that we tend to sympathize with this despicable character, but it also tends to make for a very, very uncomfortable reflection of, of how we identify with biased narrators. Now, me personally, oh, I'm not finished yet. I want to make it clear that this is a very, very serious story. It's a very controversial book, and it's a very controversial two adaptated adaptated uh, movies. Um, I I believe the main character Humbert is a very, very sick man, and despite the fact that the novel is intended to make you feel very misplaced feelings of sympathy for him, I think this 
story is very, very serious and very, very sad because it reflects often the two commonly occurring um, exploitation of minors that we see all over the world, unfortunately. Now, with that being said, the, uh, the adaptation that I saw was Stanley Kubrick's adaptation. Now, <laughs> Stanley Kubrick is my favorite, favorite director uh, of all time, even though my favorite movie ever isn't actually directed by him. Uh, but anyways, yes, Stanley Kubrick, I mean, the guy's, a, the guy's a fucking visionary, right? I mean, every, his reputation precedes him, obviously, but that's only because nearly every single movie he's done is just a masterpiece. And, uh, he's, he's famous for being a complete perfectionist, and he's also famous for being very, very, almost cold and detached. His reputation sort of paints him, and his, his, the end, the later half of his years where he became a hermit didn't help this, but his reputation often paints him as a very detached person, and that he, he tends to go about making movies in a very methodical sense. He's famous for taking upwards of 100 different, ta different takes of perhaps a single scene in any given project he worked on. Uh, but you know why that is? Like, you, you know why he does that? That's because with Kubrick, every single camera shot is a painting. Every single, and I, 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 I shit you not, I shit you not, this is so true. With a Kubrick film, you can point at any different camera angle, any different intended point of view of the scene, and you will see that it is all, all, down to the last detail, so specifically chosen. It's so, it's so, it's so cool to look at some of his more, like, you know, his, some of his more well-known films, like, oh, like 2001, you know, uh, Space Odyssey. It's so awe-inspiring to look at his camera angles and just see how much of it is perfectly intended and how it all like plays off of each other to create a, a unique and captivating camera shot every single time i shit you not man oh my god and yes um this is no different in his movie lolita now he uh i believe he adapted this i don't know I want to say sometime, uh, maybe in the 80s or so, there's an adaptation um, in the 90s that wasn't done by him that I'm, I'm led to believe that that version wasn't very good. Um, but I, I recently have seen the Stanley Kubrick adaptation of Lolita. Now, here's the thing. Stanley Kubrick, although I don't think this is as well known as his other personality traits, He's very, very entertaining of a more humorous, uh, I guess, narrative. He's he definitely leans more towards the comical side of things in, throughout his career. Now, of course, I mean, you can you can look at The Shining and say that's not true, um, but I I raise you Doctor Strangelove. I raise you Clockwork Orange, which horrific as it is, is definitely comical. Uh, I lead you to I lead you to Lolita. Now here's the thing, Lolita is a very, very serious story, but Stanley Kubrick's take on it is not as serious. Stanley Kubrick's take on it, while it doesn't glorify it, it makes it out to be a much, much darker comedy side of things than 
what I believe is the rightfully tragic. Um, in my opinion, any adaptation of Lolita is, no matter, no matter how much it's presented from the more inappropriate side of Humbert, it should be painted as tragedy. Just, it, it works better that way, in my opinion. Because Lolita, Lolita is a story about a man not only, uh, not only sexually exploiting a minor, but also imprinting his own sense of, it, it also imprinting his own feelings on the girl. Because in every adaptation of Lolita, and this, I, I, I can't stress how serious this is because this is a very important issue. Every um, adaptation, every story about Lolita is meant to give off the feeling that she is seducing him, the 12-year-old, the, the which is just not true. The story is meant to be a projection of Humbert's part onto her. It's a very, very tricky and uncomfortable take on the subject, but it's not meant to glorify anything. And the, the very, very sad thing about Lolita is that a lot of people tend to misinterpret the story. A lot of people tend to paint it as a glorification or as a forbidden romance style thing, and, and both of those are, are awful. <laughs> both of those are very, very awful takes on the story, and they're also unsupported. What makes Lolita a very, very impressively done work of literature is that I guess, I guess I'm talking more about the book than the than the movies or TV is today. Sorry if you don't give a shit about books, but today is a today is a fiction talk, I guess. Um, Lolita is a very very massively done, but also very uncomfortable take on child exploitation. I think it's well done. I think it's horribly horribly uncomfortable, and you won't want to read it more than once. But it is well done. You can't deny that. And the author is not glorifying the relationship in any way. However, it looks like that because the story is meant to trick you into sympathizing with a predator. And that's why Lolita is probably one of the most uncomfortable books ever written. Uncomfortable fiction books, I mean. Um, that being said... I think that both adaptations, both movie adaptations got it wrong. Though I have to admit, I haven't seen the 90s version, the 90s movie adaptation. I have seen the Stanley Kubrick one. And I can say that it's good. Everything Stanley Kubrick's done is good on some level. Even um, his, earliest, uh, his earliest work, his earliest movie, I should say, uh, Fear and Desire, which... Even he, even he grew to dislike in his later years because he thought it was a sort of embarrassing first venture. Even that is good on some level. You can see in his very first movie that Kubrick was toying with different ways of framing characters and framing the environment. And in, from the very beginning, Kubrick was just a visionary. I mean, the man is an amazing movie maker. He may be a pervert, but he's an amazing movie maker. Um... That being said, I, I, I do believe that his version of Lolita got the story wrong. Uh, it is true. It is true that his movie version allows you to sympathize with Humbert, which is, um, though uncomfortable, a very important, a very important uh, aspect of the story of Lolita, that being 
tricking the audience into sympathizing with the villain of the story, the child predator. Kubrick's version does um, succeed in doing that. However, like I said, Kubrick tends to lean towards the more darkly comical side of things, and Lolita is no exception. In fact, Lolita is an example of that. Uh, in, in Lolita, in Stanley Kubrick's Lolita, there are very prominent, subtle jokes that either arise from Humbert's inappropriate obsession with Lolita, a 12-year-old girl, or from completely, <laughs> completely irrelevant um, gags like there's a hotel scene where Humbert is trying to set up a, uh, a I guess, a foldable bed and it takes it takes basically like two three minutes for him to set it up and then as soon as he lies on it it completely collapses you know it's like it's like a physical gag in a movie about child predators it's it, it, it the movie does take a lighter and softer tone and I can appreciate that but I really feel like the story of Lolita is is meant to be a tragedy no matter how romanticized it's supposed to seem from the point of view of Humbert considering he's trying to justify his love for her, I firmly believe that any adaptation of Alita needs to maintain a sense of sorrow because the main character is taking a young girl and ruining her childhood. That being said, being a Kubrick fan myself, I can appreciate Lolita for being a very, very inappropriate comedy. Um... There are, there were moments, there were moments, I have to admit, where I, where I, you know, chuckled a bit. And I chuckled a bit at jokes that arose from the subject matter. Uh, those being laughs, th those laughs were mostly like, Jesus Christ, I can't believe Kubrick, you know, made that joke. Like, um, there's a scene where Lolita is doing hula, uh, is, is doing hula hoops in the backyard. And it's like, oh, this is... You know, doing hula hoops is like a, it's a childhood activity where you, you spin around the ring and try to, try to, try to make as many rotations as you possibly can. And then, Jesus Christ, the camera very slowly pans to Humbert, who is also in the backyard, very, very intently watching her. <laughs> and then the, the mom comes over, who is totally, totally into Humbert, and he is obsessed with her fucking daughter. She comes in with a camera, absolutely beaming with, like, happiness, and she takes a picture of Humbert because she's like, mm, my sweet Humbert, look at how much, you know, how, look at how much joy you're having. You're going to be a great father to my daughter. And it's, oh, it's all so ironic and gross because ugh, he's actually, like, lusting after her daughter, but she's, like, into him, and it's a very... It's a very fucked up, like, love triangle. It's so uncomfortable, but at the same sense, there is, there is a sense of very, 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 very dark comedy in there. There is a sense of, like, horrific humor that can be found in the deepest, darkest pits of black comedy. Uh, but yes. Lolita, Stanley Kubrick's Lolita... Like, like most Kubrick films, it tends to err on the side of, of length. And I think that Kubrick justifies, for the most part, his long running times with very, very artistic scenes. Every single camera shot he takes is a portrait. I firmly believe that. 
but Lolita, I have to say, did not deserve two hours and 30 minutes worth of runtime. If your movie is going to be longer than two hours, it needs to deserve that. I hold James Cameron to that standard. I have to hold Kubrick to that standard, no matter how much I love the man and wish he was still alive so I could shake his hand and give him a big old kiss on the cheek. I, I'm not even joking. <laughs> I, if Stanley Kubrick were alive, I might, I might, honest to God, hug him. But I can't because he's dead. It's one of the greatest tragedies. But yes, um, oh, Lolita, that, that movie, I saw that yesterday and I was just, for, for a while, I was just like overcome with these mixed feelings. Like, I mean, did I like this? Did I, did I appreciate Peter Sellers as an actor as much as I did in Dr. Strangelove? Peter Sellers actually is an entirely different, um, topic. Now, every director, and this is true, this is true of every director, every director has a selection of actors that they like to use. Let me think. Mm, I'm trying to think of directors. Um, oh, oh, Martin Scorsese loves to use Robert De Niro. Um, Kubrick loves to use Peter Sellers. He doesn't, he doesn't stick to any one actor, but he's, he's used a variety that tend to uh, reappear. He used, um, he used Sterling Hayden twice. He used, what was it, George Scott? Um, I'm trying to think. He used Peter Sellers, and this is very, why don't, why don't I just skip to the chase? Believe me when I say every actor, or every director loves to reuse actors. That being said, Stanley Kubrick, in two movies used Peter Sellers for three different roles in the same movie. Let me explain. In Dr. Strangelove, which is a very, very good movie that I will talk about in a different episode because it deserves an entirely different episode, please watch Dr. Strangelove if you haven't. It's so fucking good. It's amazing. But anyways, in Dr. Strangelove, Kubrick used Peter Sellers uh, to act in three different roles. He had him as the United States president. He had it. He had him as a an ex Nazi wheelchair bound cripple scientist called Doctor Strangelove, and he had him as a very very hopeless and bumbling British officer in the army. Three roles, all in the same movie. Now, in Lolita, uh, Doctor uh, Peter Sellers plays one character who takes on a variety of different personas, which in itself is meant to be a gag, considering <laughs> all those different personas are so, like, so uh, paper-thin. You know how, like, Team Rocket always dresses up in these, these outfits that you're like, that's obviously Team fucking Rocket, and Ash is like, oh, hi there! You, you know what I mean? When a disguise is paper-thin and the audience knows, but the characters don't, in Lolita, Peter Sellers serves to carry a joke by being one character in a variety of different paper-thin disguises, each of which the main character, Humbert the Creep, falls for. And, I mean, all of those disguises are so easy. It's, it's so easy to tell that it's him, but the main character never, like, realizes. It's another joke that the movie goes for, and you're thinking, wow, I can't believe they 
turn Lolita into a fucking comedy. Um, good effort, Kubrick, but I, I really don't think it, the story deserved that. Um, but anyways, Peter Sellers is a very, very interesting case uh, in Kubrick films in that more than once he was used to play in three different roles all in the same movie. Isn't that weird? Isn't that weird? I mean, Peter Sellers is a very, very good actor. He was the original Inspector Clouseau in the original Pink Panther. But it's, it's odd, isn't it? It's odd to have him play in three different roles all in the same movie. More than one occasion. Yes, it's true that every actor... Or, shit, shit, I keep fucking up. It's true that every director uh, likes, loves to reuse certain actors, but isn't that an odd occurrence? Anyways, yes, Peter Sellers in Lolita serves to both enhance the comedy of the movie and also enhance the implicit horror of the movie. That being, the character he plays is another child predator, except he actually um, is worse, <laughs> if you can believe that. His character is never really, like, dissected or, like, I guess his, his character is never stressed on screen. He, he, <clears throat> he appears in his scenes, and then in the, um, in the final sequence of the movie, his character is kind of explained, but he's never really, like, he's never thoroughly dissected on, on camera or in the story, which almost relegates his character's, like, disgustingness to the background, which honestly, I might, in, in a, in a, in a different context, I might be content with criticizing that, but I honestly feel like it works. It works wonders, I believe, in, in Lolita. Let me give you context. Peter Sellers, no matter how funny his character might be in Lolita, plays a child predator. What's worse, he plays a child predator who films inappropriate content with minors in it. So, you know, he's a total fucking slime ball. That being said, throughout the entire movie, he's he's been a he's been a funny guy. He's he's been weird. He's played like weird personas, but you know, Peter Sellers as being being a charismatic and funny actor brings a sort of charm to him. So throughout the whole movie, if you don't fall for the trickery of sympathizing with Humbert, the main protagonist creep, then you might be you you might honestly potentially side with Claire Quilty, the character played by Peter Sellers. However, in the very uh, last in the last sequence of the film, like I said, Claire Quilty is is um is discussed by Lolita and Humbert in that he is a complete child predator who lured Lolita um into a he he lured her into like some some weird place that she wasn't familiar with with a bunch of men that she wasn't familiar with and tried to make her do stuff that she didn't want to do. Now luckily she got away before, you know, anything happened. But it, it makes you, like, it, it's so sudden, and it's so, like, shocking to think that this character who was was charismatic and funny throughout the whole film was actually a total creep. What's more, 
throughout the movie, Lolita is hinted to actually look up to him as like a celebrity figure. And like I said, this discussion doesn't doesn't take a long time. It it's very quick. And it doesn't like it doesn't um stretch on for too long. So it almost feels like it's pushed to the background. I mean, you leave the movie knowing who he is, but you almost feel like it didn't get enough attention that it that it should have. I think that was intentional and I think it was a good choice. Now, it's it's true that um it's true that so many celebrity figures that we look up to um, and we may we may even idolize, but these celebrity figures that we see in all these different movies, you know, they're people too. They're people too. Um, despite my Marvel rant a little while ago, in which I, I didn't, I wasn't so quick to call them actual people. Um, they live lives not unlike our own, and in that sense, a lot of celebrities, clearly, obviously, are actually pieces of shit. I know this I know this may be like a revelation, but celebrities that we idolize or perhaps simply look up to or see as completely removed from our lives, they're dipping their noses in things that we probably don't know or, you know, don't willingly indulge in. Like they're they're up to shit basically. And not every one of them, but it could be any one of them cuz you don't know them. They they put on a face. Everything you see from a celebrity is what their media team wants you to see. Articles, movies, interactions. I mean, it's it's all tailor-made for 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 finances basically, cuz if you discover that an actor is up to no good, like if you discover that any sort of actor is is grooming or having weird sex parties or something, that would definitely, you know, you wouldn't you wouldn't want to see them as much as you would now hypothetically all things equal and that wouldn't be good for sales so you can never trust a celebrity because everything that you see is not necessarily true in a sense and it is true to life it's true to life that any controversy that may actually leak out from a celebrity's personal life i mean it's foolish to think that there's not a band of people hired to make a celebrity look peachy and perfect. So I believe it's true that people in Hollywood or wherever are actively censoring the humanity of the humans on our film screen. And I, you know, can I prove this? No, but I firmly believe it's true. And in having, by having Claire Quilty, the character played by Peter Sellers, by having him, um, shit, I got locked out of my computer, come on, by having him, um, by having his, like, his disgusting personality almost pushed to the back of the attention of the movie, it almost makes it feel like the movie itself, or Kubrick, or whoever, is subtly trying to censor his horrible pedophilic uh, qualities. And that says something about, you know, our culture right now in terms of celebrity culture. That says a lot about how we tend to put these famous people on a pedestal and how we tend to ignore maybe some of the more questionable things that they do when people aren't necessarily looking. 
so in 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 subtly minimizing Claire Quilty's disgusting personality, I think that Kubrick intentionally did that to sort of shed a light on um, our culture today. Now, of course, I don't think Kubrick necessarily had a looking eyeglass into what our culture would be like today, but it's entirely possible. It's entirely possible that um, what we have now wasn't so different from what they had back then. In fact, not that I think we're so peachy right now, but it was probably way, way easier for people back then to, um, to do questionable things. Uh, for example, I'm, I'm sure that it was easier for people back then for like more, I don't know, producers, directors, more high up people, people in positions of power, basically. I'm sure it was far, far easier to get away with things um, like exploiting people. Uh, say, if, say if an actor wanted to be in a movie, I'm sure that it was far, far easier for directors or producers or people in power to sort of exploit those people um, uh, in in exchange for like I I suppose a role in a movie for example I'm sure it was far easier to get away with that in that time and Kubrick may have even um, may have even seen that and I I truly earnestly hope that Kubrick was not involved in any of that it's hard to say can't be proved can't be denied but I I do firmly I I do believe that Kubrick by minimizing Claire Quilty's character, not only um, not only was this, of course, because of the censorship laws that happened back then, but I think it was also working to his strength that was calling attention to people in positions of power that very easily exploit people sexually and then, unfortunately, very easily get away with it. Of course, it was also because of censorship. Uh, they, the censorship laws would not let this movie be explicit. And knowing Kubrick, he wanted it to be explicit. He actually said he wouldn't have done this movie if he knew how bad the censorship laws were going to be. Uh, so it's entirely true that, um, this movie wouldn't have existed if, you know, censorship laws didn't decree that the movie, uh, wasn't, was to be not explicit ahead of time. That is to say, if Kubrick knew, he wouldn't have done it. And that actually scares me a little bit. But it also, it like I said, it gives me mixed feelings. Because if Kubrick were to make this more explicit, I, I just can't support that. Because I don't know what he means by explicit. Kubrick, in many of his movies, is very, very explicit with nudity. Clockwork Orange being a wonderful example because it depicts scenes of, of rape, of sexual assault. And the women in those scenes are are nude and they're not they're not treated lightly, basically. The the scenes are very, very ugly and they're very vicious they're what's the word? They're very vulgar. Um, which is a <sighs> Kubrick is always Kubrick has always been a weird subject for me in terms of analyzing his implicit um misogyny because it's not hard to see that the man <laughs> the man did not favor women in positions of power uh maybe this is a talk for another day because it's a very very expansive talk but to put it lightly in clockwork orange um women are women are sexually assaulted you know they're 
they're completely nude. The camera does not spare them. Uh, the camera does not spare them from being humiliated in the nude. Um, and Doctor Strangelove, which is a fantastic comedy movie, literally the only female role is a is a is a sort of visual gag where she's complete in a she's completely in a bikini getup. And she's like, she's like an eye candy. It's funny. It's a good gag, but it's also odd because that's, that's the one female character in the whole movie. Um, in Eyes Wide Shut, his final movie, uh, one of the earliest scenes, there's a, I assume a sort of prostitute. I haven't fully watched it. I only saw the start. Um, and she's completely nude for, for like minutes. Like it stretches on, uh, everything is showing. And eventually she's put under a blanket, but it takes a long, long time. And of course, his treatment of Shelley Duvall, um, which makes it kind of hard to defend him as a as a methodical director. He's he's fantastic, but his treatment uh, of certain people, especially Shelley Duvall in The Shining, extended to uh, what's the word? Mental abuse, I guess is a good word. So yes, I I do believe that Kubrick. Kubrick was not only a pervert, but he also probably didn't really favor or respect the notion of, of women having substantial roles. Nicole Kidman in Eyes Wide Shut has a substantial role, but I mean, that's that's it. That's about it. It doesn't ruin him for me, but it does, it does give me a sort of complicated relationship with him. And Lolita is no different, because he takes a subject that I believe should be treated not humorously, he takes it and makes it humorous. And because of that, I I I can I can only truly recommend this movie to Kubrick cinephiles. <laughs> that being me. Because I fucking love Kubrick. I think the man is a visionary. Um but yeah, Lolita Lolita does not top his best works for me because I can appreciate it. Hell, I, I fucking enjoyed it. I thought it was a good movie. But it just... It didn't handle Lolita the way I think it should be handled. It didn't particularly exceed with flying colors the way a Kubrick movie really should. I think it was more or less a movie that took too much time to make a comedy out of a subject that I personally believe shouldn't be treated comedically. The movie is funny at times. In fact, a lot of times, actually. I think, I think the movie has a very, very sick sense of humor that it manages to pull off. And I can recognize and appreciate that humor, but it shouldn't have been in this movie. Well, um, I think that's about all I can say about Lolita. I only really recommend it for Kubrick cinephiles. Um, and yeah. Uh, that's about it. The marketing poster uh, for this movie, the, the famous uh, photo with, uh, I, I can't remember the actor's name, but she's wearing heart sunglasses and she's like sucking on a lollipop and she's got lipstick on. It is a, it is a very, um, I guess, provocative photo. And in that sense, I, I also don't respect that because that doesn't, that does glorify Lolita, I have to say. There's no, there's no sense of bitterness in that photo. There's no sense of, of irony or, or sadness. It's just a provocative photo, and I, I, I don't, I don't respect that because the movie, the story is supposed to be 
bitterly tragic. I... I think this is probably the one movie I can point to and say that Kubrick... Mm, he... Gosh, I, I don't want to say that he did something wrong because I love him so much. He definitely didn't approach it the right way here. And I'm kind of glad that censorship laws forced him to tone down the sexuality of the film because, you know, knowing his reputation with women, I'm, I'm a little worried what he would have done <laughs> if censorship hadn't cracked down on him. Alright, that's it. Goodbye. Ah!